0: I realized what I wanted to share this week while I was petting my cat. One of our two little old lady cats, while she's still active and she still seems very content, she clearly has something going on and the vet and my best guess is some sort of GI tumor. She's having some bloody stools. She has this marked decrease in appetite. And I love our vet who is totally on board with comfort only measures when needed. So, a little bit about Anna. She's got a bit of interesting nervous system wiring. That really grew out of a combo of being fer- born feral and then hand raised and then major surgery all before she came to us. So, even though she's got this luscious, long, silky white and black fur, she doesn't really like deep stroking unless she's eating. don't know why but when she's eating she loves loves deep stroking and she's gotten pretty much to the point with whatever's going on with her that she won't eat unless someone is standing there and doing this kind of deep stroking of course his mom in the house i'm the one that primarily does it she eats up on this little table so that she doesn't have um, competition with the dog for her food. So sometimes, two, three, four more times a day, I stand at that little table and I just do this long, deep stroking of my beautiful little lady cat. What's very clear are there three distinct modes in which I can stand there stroking my cat. One, rushed, impatient, wanting her to hurry up and eat her food. Two, I can be sort of spaced out or distracted and thinking about other things. Or three, really being awake and aware of this as a kindness practice, of this as formal meditation with me and my cat. While I definitely know something about all three of these, I'm very conscious to aiming myself towards that third. And in doing this, this really has become one of my havens for resetting with my intention in the midst of my day. it's this remarkable little touchstone practice in my day where if I pay attention, I can know I'm feeling the aliveness of the universe manifesting in this lovely little body. I can feel into the remarkableness we often take for granted of cross species trust. And most of all, really have a clear knowing of the preciousness of life, the impermanence of life. As my hand really can't help but feel now how her body is changing. There is this increased boniness of her back, a little skeletal skinniness along her whole body under all that fur. often shared one of my favorite quotes from Thoreau is one I think about um, quite often. To affect the quality of the day is the highest of arts. Consciously opening to my time with Anna clearly affects the quality of my day. Throughout our day, there are these moment to moment opportunities of noticing the possibility of small acts of kindness. Noticing these, tuning into these, really begins to add up in a way that changes the tenor of our lives. And that tenor changes by just learning how not to glide over these moments. How we greet the people or animals in our lives that we love matters. The mentality we bring to sharing a meal with friends or family or sharing a meal with just our own selves. That is an opportunity for kindness. There are these many momentary interchanges with people we don't even know. All of them are a possibility of intentionally aligning ourselves with an orientation towards kindness. And when we learn to pay attention to the small, easier ones, what we're doing is we're building up the resiliency and the resources that we have this strength to fall back on when it's harder. Learning how to interact with the more challenging with the harder obviously has even deeper impact on the quality of our day. So this starting small and owning all of these little moments that are possible are how we meet all of life. Starting small with the more challenging side of things, uh, I used to strongly dislike doing the cat litter. And long time ago, uh, early in my MBSR teaching, or maybe even in my first class, I can't remember, one of the tasks that we do is pick a routine daily activity and see what it's like to bring mindfulness to it. Knowing my relationship with doing the cat litter, I chose the cat litter to do with mindfulness. What came out of that very quickly was the love that I feel for our cats. Doing the cat litter very clearly an act of care. Cleaning the cat litter if I'm paying attention instead of just being in a rush to get it done or actively being in an aversive moment of not liking it, if I'm paying attention, I really can tap into that sense of love for these little beings that share our home space. That sense of gratitude for cat litter that allows these little beings to share our home space. And that sense of wanting things to be good for our cats, wanting them to be able to go into a clean cat litter box, all of those, if I'm bringing them to mind, just in that act of scooping, that too really becomes a touchstone for regrounding in the direction that I care about. So while maybe I never get to the place that I jump for joy thinking, oh, I get to clean cat litter now, I don't rue cleaning the cat litter. And that time is valuable in my day. All of this distinctly matters when we realize what we're doing is building up resources for how we meet, greet our own selves, our own internal stuff that internal unpleasantness whether triggered by something someone said um, something going on in the world or just an internal feeling of the pain of loneliness anxiety worry the strength and the resilience of the heart are all important in how we meet these and i really use that term strength very deliberately it's easy to write off kindness If we only associate that word with some sort of overly easy, sappy, soft feeling of warm fuzzies, (laughs) kind of like the hallmark mentality. There's nothing about the field of kindness that says it has to feel a certain way more it is about an opening in the direction of the strength of the heart and allowing that to come forward. So the true field of kindness and heart may at times really be warm, really have that softness. Maybe at other times it's more like a ferocious strength that can support us while we meet the most difficult and unwanted. And then it can be everything in between. When I pet Anna, I'm really aware that a part of me actually doesn't want to feel and know her boniness. Anna is one of my daughter's beloved and it will be hard when she dies. You can feel a certain kind of preparing going on around Anna in our house. It's already touching in with some of that pain of grief, of losing the beloved. So kindness means an availability of being with even the vulnerability that can come up when I stay with the changing nature of our cat without needing to either shy away from it or get lost in some drama about it. It's this possibility of just feeling in this too, this losing is also part of the sacredness of life. So my, one of our groups this week, use the term learning safety within the vulnerability. That's the field of kindness. And that's the field that allows a sense of safety when it's even harder. My other daughter is currently working um, for medic, driving ambulances all around the streets all night long. And hearing her stories really is bringing back very distinct, very strong memories for me of finding out what kindness meant when working with challenging people in the emergency room in my earlier life. She told me the other night about picking up a man. Um, They've been called for a man who was unconscious on the sidewalk. He was um, clearly alcohol intoxicated, um, unwashed, old, new urine, soaked, saturating his clothes and hat, and a whole lot more. And when they roused him, um, he woke up in a state of just belligerent cursing anger, um, actively getting uh, looking to get into a fight with the people who were trying to offer some care. When I used to work in uh, emergency rooms, I cleaned and showed up many head wounds on people just like him, people who not just had been found unconscious in the, on the sidewalk, but who had actually split their heads on the way down. It seemed like a very, very common injury. When I was with these patients, they often slept through the whole time I was there. And then the biggest challenge was simply the physical smell. And that was no small thing. If the person was awake, there was often a necessary other level of challenge of really helping them move from angry, which was a form of scared and vulnerable, of course, to being open, available for getting help. For me, kindness and compassion had a powerful, fundamental role in every aspect of showing up in those situations. Particularly how how people in those situations were often met in the ER was with shame and blame and disdain and so it was even more important to be at least one person that and there were others obviously it was really you know when you saw these people who had that mission that sense of value of how they cared about people it was very very powerful but many times the common reaction was to yell at someone like this to shut up and behave and sadly it often worked because it was so easy to shame people in these situations so not just for the hardness of their their life but also for the treatment they were receiving sometimes at the hands of, of the source of care. Compassionate, strong care mattered to me. And it's not a Pollyanna kindness that, that works here. There, there is often required this strongest spine kindness. And even then, there was no guarantee that I could bring about a calm situation. That my, my version of going in with, with a compassionate care was necessarily gonna diffuse the situation either. But even then, knowing that I held to my direction of practicing the art of aligning my, my actions with my values, that absolutely affected The quality of my day absolutely affected what I had to offer, even when calmness didn't necessarily unfold. Absolutely affected how I walked out of the ER at the end of the day. So the true strength of kindness begins to shine through when we can call on it in the midst of deep reckoning with challenges that are present and do so without any expectation or needing something in return. And we use all of our small moments to build up the connection with that wellspring that exists within us all. And on that note, I just wanna say one last thing that is so important to understand this as a practice. It's not either we are these naturally kind and compassionate people who can draw that that quality out, or we're not. It is that we use the places where we have some accessibility to the field of kindness, to teach us what it's like, how to stand in that field More and more often, and we practice with training our strength of kindness. I want to finish with a poem called Kindness by Naomi Shahib Nye. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things, feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all of this must go so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, You must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you. How he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day. Only kindness that raises his head from the crowd of the world to say, "It is I you have been looking for and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. Thank you.